You are listening to the True Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Gerald Xavier, with my co-host and friend, Andy Silva. And today we're going to talk about uh, the issue of radicalizing different schools of politics, whether it's the left, whether it's the right, and how it actually subverts democracy so that people can't communicate with one another, so that you start to see censorship in the media and even censorship in individual conversations because people are doubtful about what they can and cannot say. Uh, we were just talking a bit about this before we clicked on that record button. And so, Silva, uh, what do you see out in the world happening right now uh, where you can point to it and say, this is obviously a case where communication is breaking down, where certain people with uh, different opinions are not able to voice those opinions. Mm -hmm. And maybe when is this okay? When is it not okay? What are the, the limits, if any, of free speech? And uh, where do you see this going in society now? Yeah, I think um, probably when you say like the free speech aspect and like what you can silence and not silence, how are we going to phrase that? I think uh, we, like we were just talking about before we started, I'll, I'll dive into that again. And it's kind of somewhat old news to in today's world. I mean, it's several months old, but that's really not that long ago, was the um, <clears throat> GM of the Houston Rockets, uh, like supporting the Hong Kong protests and then... Um, whatever his hashtag was, I can't remember. So basically saying like, yeah, I support these people, you know, go fight for your rights, whatever. And then because of the NBA's desired business relationship or current relationship, business relationship with China, which is means the Chinese government in reality. Um, and then basically saying like, yeah, you're going to have to cut that shit out. And then players coming out, LeBron James as an example, since he's probably the most recognizable player in the league, him saying something has a lot of clout, whether, you know, you agree or disagree with it. He reaches a lot of people uh, basically telling the Rockets GM that, hey, you know, you probably don't know what's going on, so don't say something about it, which, I mean, to someone that doesn't, like, really care about this stuff, probably doesn't seem that important or that big deal or that important, but it's like, this is, uh, and again, the NBA is a, you know, private business, so to speak, if they want to not say that stuff, like, I mean, I guess the, the hardcore libertarian type in me can say hey you're a private business do what you want but just conceptually like you know i think you can i think you the true libertarian principle says you can discriminate against someone for whatever reason you want like i cannot let people in that have blonde hair because i don't want people in my business with blonde hair now i was someone to say that to me i'd be like that's pretty freaking stupid but okay fine like you're not hurting anybody so whatever do your thing and so with the nba it's like yeah, okay, yeah, you just censor what you want to censor. You want your business relationship with China, like, I don't begrudge that of you, but, like, you're really setting a precedent where, like, now we all need to think a certain way. Like, you're basically telling your league you need to think a certain way on certain things, which, I mean, the repercussion, like, if, you know, LeBron James, possibly the most recognizable athlete outside of maybe a couple soccer players on the planet, if it's basically you're saying, hey, we have to think this certain way here in this business, LeBron James is going to think that certain way. That is going to get out to people. 
and it's going to, you know, in theory could positively help like Black Lives Matter type stuff. I'll say the good side of Black Lives Matter, not the Marxist type stuff we discussed in the past couple of weeks, but like the good side, that, that's great. That's awesome. It's going to bring these things to light because everyone, you know, plays with the Lakers, he's a star, all that. That's great. But then it also like, like the Hong Kong protests, like the Hong Kong people are the people of Hong Kong or whatever that, I know it's like kind of China, kind of not China. Like they are correct. They are right. They are the ones in the right in this interaction with the Chinese government. And, you know, we're going to, you're going to be influencing a ton of people who don't really pay attention to it to think that, you know, the bad guys are the good guys because, hey, yeah, this Daryl Morgan guy is really talking about it. It's like, I don't know. It's a, it's a slippery slope. Um, you see it. And then there's all the social media canceling, quote unquote, cancellations that have happened over the years. Like this people that have been kicked off of social media. I don't like them. I don't like what they have to say. I think they're shitheads personally, but like, I don't need to be protected. I don't need, and I know Jack Dorsey's not the one like doing it himself, but I don't need Jack Dorsey to protect me from someone making like really nasty comments about a group of people. And then, and aside from that, you can really go down to it and say like, it's certain groups of people you can't say nasty shit about really what it comes down to because this certain idea and dogma has been put into a lot of people's heads and they just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And that NBA thing was an example that kind of hits home for me because I'm a big sports fan. Um, but I mean that the social media stuff, I mean, you talk to a thousand different people that care about this shit. You probably have a thousand different examples of, yeah, this guy got canceled because of whatever. And she got censored because of this and blah, blah, blah. And it just, it seems to be a, uh, becoming like okay and accepted that that's how we should handle things whether it's and it's if it starts in the if culturally if we're okay with it in businesses and whatnot ultimately we will then those these people will then be okay with it in government and you know next thing you know someone's gonna have a gun pointed at their head probably quite literally saying like well you know what did you say against the president of the united states president biden president whomever and you know in 10 years you could envision that at this point, like with the, the, the path we're on and it's, it's not, it's not good. You should not support people just being silenced. You can support disagreeing. You can support arguing. You can support being like, dude, you're an idiot. Like whatever you want to say, but you should not support like that person's not allowed to talk because this opinion doesn't fit this mold. So that's kind of like what I see out there, what my opinions are on it. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you think. Yeah, as you were talking about specifically cancel culture and basically, I mean, in any group, whether it's the NBA or online and Twitter or among like every last little community or niche that you can shake a stick at, you find people who are monitoring each other's thoughts for what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And I mean, that's the basis of of culture, right? It's like you figure out everybody on some uh, on some level is like, okay, like we're gonna allow for this kind of behavior. We're not gonna allow for for this stuff, and we're gonna mediate between all that, right? Figure out what works when somebody goes too far out of bounds. You end up putting them in prison, or at, at the very least, there's some kind of uh, repercussion consequence, uh, and and one of the things you were talking about was uh, this idea of 
thing, certain things being allowed versus not based on the incentives that uh, a particular group has. In, in the case of the NBA, it's that if you look at the viewership of uh, Chinese citizens on the NBA, it's probably more than the United States, if not a very close second. I look that up while you're talking. Cool. Yeah, because I, I think, like, even when I was there, I remember it being a huge deal. Like, the, the NBA is, like, the chief sport export to China from the United States. Oh, that's right. I forgot you spent some time over there. Yeah. And so, I, funnily enough, I, I've been following somebody who was there in a much more permanent way. And they actually left because they're getting more intense with their censorship. They're like, like the human rights issues are much more serious. And I was just reading earlier today that even their, uh, their, uh, I want to say their, a leader in foreign affairs and mm-hmm. as well as the white house were basically saying, yeah, like our relationship is the worst it has been in like 50 years which when you go back, I mean, you're talking about basically like toward the end of uh, Mao's like cultural revolution right. uh, when things were turning around. Mm-hmm. I want to fact check myself on that. But yeah, the period was from the 66 to 76. So it's like you're going back to historically like a very severe time in Chinese history where uh, things are now approaching that level of uh, – concern right 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 uh what i was thinking about in terms of cancel culture was the harper's letter that uh i think it came out on july 8th or so and if i don't know if you saw but the harper's letter was basically a bunch of authors journalists intellectuals yeah uh, jk jk rowling was one of them malcolm gladwell they all signed this article basically denouncing or and I don't want to use the word denouncing because it almost has a connotation of canceling, but it basically is a plea for people to hear out reason, to hear out thought, to not just shut people down for, uh, for saying things. And basically like the foundation of uh, cancel culture for, for anyone who's like trying to figure out I, I myself have been trying to figure out like what is the quality that makes it so insidious and, and really dangerous. And I think the thing that um, makes it that way is that it's an automatic guilt by association where all of a sudden, because you espouse a certain viewpoint, you take a knock in your quote unquote status and you're denounced to almost a level where you are, your opinions are just like cast out as like so preposterous, almost like you're being gaslit. And this is something that I saw, I don't know if you, uh, if we talked about this last week with Terry Crews showing up in front of Don Lamont. And I mean, like the way he, he talks to Terry Crews is, is just absurd. It's like not even. I love that you call him Don Lamont. Uh, yeah, uh, Tucker Carlson cops on that movie. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one of the things going back to the Harper's letter is that one of the women who signed—I don't know—Jennifer Finney Boylan. I, I don't know who she is, but one of the things that she said 
was uh, after signing it was I did not know who else had signed the letter. I thought I was endorsing a well-meaning if vague message against internet shaming. Uh, I did know Chomsky, Steinem, and Atwood were in, and I thought good company. And like basically she's apologizing because there are other people who have been canceled on the letter. Right. And she's, she's basically like, I changed my mind. I don't oh, want no, to no, be. No, 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 no. Yeah. And, and the irony that like, and a sort of hopeful message that came from it was uh, I saw Malcolm Gladwell retweet that yeah. and him basically saying, I signed it because there were lots of people who also signed it, whose views I disagree with. Yeah. Right. Like the most reasonable and that's that and he says that's the point. That's the point of of the letter. Yeah. Uh, so, to sort of wrap up my spiel is like that is what what at least I hope uh, the dialogue will lean into uh, because the foundations of cancel culture are we like we cannot disagree uh, or we cannot agree to disagree if for any reason you have an opinion that's different from mine, you're, you're morally bankrupt. You are just, you are just less than a human because of what you, and, and like, that's the way, and this, this is on, on both sides of the aisle. So, and, and it's only really, I think the extreme versions, but what's, what's happening now, I think is that, because the most extreme people are the loudest in a lot of ways, especially yeah. online, uh, these ideologies uh, that have this like cult-like appeal to them, okay. where where you're basically indoctrinated based on a moral framework that makes you feel a certain way about what's going on, without any attention paid to data. Uh, any attention paid to actual evidence mm -hmm. and these ideas these ideologies are slowly creeping into the mainstream discourse oh yeah where real conversations mm -hmm. are starting to erode little by little like there's still the intellectual dark web which we can maybe talk about next and and, and some of the things that you've observed from from recent um yeah recent content that's that's been put out but that's it, it's weird because that has been cast aside as this like alt-right thing where i mean if, if you look at where the figures in that whatever you want to call it a movement a clandestine club whatever it is uh they're all over the place there's socialists in it there's uh there's people who are more conservative, there are atheists, there are uh, religious people, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all over the place. Yeah. And so what's interesting to me is, um, I think in terms of what is becoming the most um, mainstream of these really cult-like ideologies uh, is actually what, what's being uh, and, and this could be me getting it wrong, just like they're like, oh, that's the alt-right. And I'm here thinking, oh, that extreme 
uh, cancel culture is coming from the left mm -hmm. exclusively. Right. Like I'm sure right. if you actually look at uh, like everything else, there's like, there's nuance to it. Um, but it is interesting to me that the quote unquote alt-right is where these conversations are having, even though they're all over the place and the quote unquote left is where they are basically saying, this is the ideology. Like yeah. this, you yeah. will be indoctrinated into this belief system uh, of, of the narrative of the oppressor and the oppressed. And that is final. That yeah. is it. The conversation will not continue because we have to go protest now. And yeah, there is right. no conversation yeah. to be had beyond that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, um, you're, you're kind of talking about the, uh, this is the, this is the correct thought. This is the correct thing to say. This is the idea, the ideology, whatever. It's, don't you find it like the, the one thing I'm taking out of this that I think, um, I mean, who knows? I mean, like Joe Biden can get elected in November, which uh, he's really not going to different from Trump. He's really not. I mean, except uh, he has Alzheimer's very clearly, but he's not, he's not that much different from Donald Trump, honestly. Um, actually, somehow is a worse public speaker than Donald Trump. Who would have thought? Um, <clears throat> anyway, the uh, like the whole like wh whatever you want to call these cancel culture types, uh, the left, Marxists, progressives, whatever the term is. I don't I don't know what the official title should be for all of them. Those people that think this is okay, it's like they're trying to cancel Noam Chomsky, like one of the greatest like lefty thinkers of all time you can disagree agree agree with him whatever is your reasons would be brilliant man very well-spoken thought-out individual this happens to be like hey we need to have free speech like that was like that's like one of his things we need to have free speech which i agree with him on a thousand percent and it's like you're kind of eating yourself at this point like you're you're setting a bar for yourself for whatever for society where none of you are going to be able to hit it like and then I think that's why we're kind of starting to see like the goalposts shift on things like, oh, you can say this about this person, but oh, you can't say it about that guy. And it's like, it's becoming very, like, pretty, pretty fucking blatant, to be quite honest. I mean, to anybody that sits, like, to anybody that sits down and is like, all right, you know, give me your explanation of what we can and cannot do. Well, you can't discriminate against someone because of the color of their skin and da 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 da. It's like, okay, well, you have a tweet that says death to all white people. Oh, well. Not, not, not white people, though, not white people. It's like, oh, okay. So that fell apart after one question. So I think we're good. The problem is the type, I think we had, I, I, I think I mentioned, maybe you mentioned it, one of us did a couple of weeks ago. We said that the problem is the people who are like, that group of people is like authoritarian. They think they're right and we're going to tell you what to do in the discussion. Like that's how they operate in their mind. And the people who are against that are not authoritarian and they are naturally not like i'm going to impose my will and my thought on you so like the cancel culture thing i think it really has gotten its legs because excuse me those who really oppose it and don't like it i mean naturally we don't like you know we don't like really push back we kind of just like dodge it like oh yeah whatever we're not like just sitting there like just pushing it back like no get get out of here and i think eventually it's going to come to a point where a lot of people are going to, you know, quote unquote, push back in some way, but it just, we haven't gotten there yet. But it's like this, this whole thing, it's like, if you take 30 seconds to listen, like that, that fucking video you sent me yesterday, the, the woman 
with the sexual harassment thing where she was like videotaping it like like any normal person should watch that and be like this 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 person is mentally ill they're not like a provocateur they're like insane that, that woman's insane she's, she's nuts i didn't even and i barely listened to her like speak afterwards uh in that clip and it's just like your entire message is either agree with me or you're you know insert the the ist words misogynist racist whatever they are to insert them afterwards this is like it does like i could probably show this to a 16 year old and they'd be like what the hell are you talking about i mean it's just it's bad but they just we haven't gotten to the point where like enough people need to need to push back and be like no this isn't acceptable that's that's my thoughts on i mean i would say it would be it would be very nice if it got met with like a very firm rejection and be like no nah, we don't like what you have to say and not and when i say a firm rejection i don't mean by the conservative ink types charlie kirk shut up like mm -hmm. just whatever you're just like a you're just going to spew whatever's okay to say to a republican base but like like legitimate like smart strong-willed people like those people that came out and signed that letter that's great like they clearly except for that one apparently everyone has a spine and is like no this is what i say like kiss my ass if you don't like it that's great we need more of that we need more people to come out and do that and that will push this idea and movement down but until other people speak up this is the noise you know twitter or whomever is hearing they're hearing this so they think oh yeah this is what we got to take care of and no it's wrong it's not right those people are wrong it's incorrect yeah i'm just looking at uh somebody who robert reich uh, mentions oh, yeah yeah the harper's letter and he's like i declined to sign the letter because trumpism racism xenophobia and sexism have had such free reign and baleful influence in recent years that we should honor and respect the expressions of anger and heartache finally being heard. And you know, when I read that, it makes me think like, that's a, va that's a valid uh, statement. Like if you are, mm -hmm. I remember when Trump got elected and I'm not talking about uh, the blue haired woman <laughs> in, the, in the streets of Union Square who oh. screamed no possibly like I, I honestly sorry to interrupt you man i really want like like that woman is a great uh example of the cancel culture type person i'm sure i'm gonna go on a limb and say that she's a pro cancel culture type and i want to say for people her. that are allowing this to happen i want to say like i want you to i want you to watch that video that's your oppressor that's the person that you're going to let cancel you that person really that's that's you're going to let dictate what you can say like come on <laughs> Anyway, continue. Yeah, no, I, I, one of my favorite internet memes of all time <laughs> is, her, is her screaming no. But um, I, I do remember like the, the malaise uh, that was felt in, in New York the day after the election. Like yeah, throughout heard the city. It was rough. It was rough. Yeah, it was yeah. rough. Like people were really upset. And when I, when I think about the things that are like, were once things that a president, you could not imagine a president saying, uh, arguably why he got elected. I mean, yeah. 
very much a part of the whole cult of personality around Donald Trump. But things that in no way should be said by a president. It just really, when, when you're talking about the mouthpiece of an entire nation and you're speaking to not just uh, adults, but children, like you, you're speaking to an entire population, like you should not be on tape saying the things that Trump has said. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, so the, the reason I say that is because um, I believe that. I really don't think that that's an appropriate way to, at the same time, though, uh, there's a difference, I think, between vocalizing your distaste for system vocalizing your frustration with the system, saying that things are wrong with the system. Like I can even get on board with some of the aspects of critical theory because you need somebody, you need a group, you need people checking in on what's happening to say, hey, that's not working for all these people over here. as Jordan Peterson says, that's the function of the quote unquote left. Like that's what they're, they're literally supposed to empathize with the people who are disenfranchised and point to the system and say, Hey, the system is broken. Cause look at all these people who are suffering. Mm-hmm. Fine. All well and good. What is it, What the issue though is, is that I think regular people who have opinions that are well-reasoned opinions and are empathetic and good people are coming into conflict with the cancel culture mob. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like those who signed the Harper's letter, people who are, as far as I can tell, and this is where a critical theorist would say, well, you can't tell because you are a uh, white cisgender heterosexual male but regardless i I mean at at a certain point it's that's the issue is is okay like basically what you're what you're doing there is invalidating uh my perspective is the most shallow interesting meaningful aspects of my identity and and lived experience uh and that like that's what that's the same issue that's happening in the face of people who have well-reasoned opinions, mm-hmm. have a platform. In some cases, it's not even people with a platform. It's just people who, and this goes back to what you can and cannot say in individual mm-hmm. conversations. Uh, these people are, are basically, uh, and and it's, coming from the mainstream media as well, being silenced, being censored, being told to believe and think a certain way. And if you don't think that way, you are a racist, a bit, uh, a basically, once again, morally bankrupt, undeserving of the time of day. And so regardless of, uh, 
you know, what Robert Reich says, or obviously it's his choice whether or not he wants to sign oh, a yeah, letter yeah, for free speech. Now, I'm not saying that he's wrong in quoting, in, in saying, hey, uh, there are people who are voicing their frustration. That's well and good as well. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've, I've made it clear that I think that's important. What is concerning though, what I've seen, like for instance, is somebody saying, if you think X, you are automatically Y. Like if you vote for Trump, you're automatically a racist mm-hmm. and there, there's no, and it's like, all right, well make your, make your case for that. And right. of course you can't make a case for that because action like that has so many other implications to it. You might be pro-life and you like, if you're somebody who is pro-life and you're a religious person who legitimately believes that like that college female healthcare uh, in that situation, it's murder. You don't necessarily have to be a, a, a racist to vote for Trump. Yeah, no. I mean, your your perspective there again, right or yeah. wrong, like, but your perspective there, someone's murdering a baby. That's your perspective. Exactly. Like, it's like that Louis C.K. Yeah. Hilarious, <laughs> hilarious skit. That it's like you're murdering a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I I mean that that I think is the issue when somebody goes that far, and this is where the mainstream media I think is really pushing the envelope and, and losing its credibility in saying things like that without the consideration that, for instance, plenty of people who have, I mean, they've grown up, uh, call it the Bible Belt, whatever, like part of their culture is worship of God, like, you know, not killing babies. <laughs> it's a big part of their culture. And for that reason alone, they... <laughs> they decide that they're not going to vote Democrat. Yeah, I mean, right. I think that's fair. And similarly, like if you are on the on the other side, if you're a liberal and you believe healthcare for people, that doesn't mean that you are for a violent overthrow of capitalism, right? Right. Uh, right. And and unfortunately, both sides of the media are pulling apart and and they're just going to like well if if you vote for this person you automatically a baby killer and if you vote for this person you are automatically a racist and it's like all right well can't win so uh what now you know uh yeah and and so yeah it's yeah i'm I'm just uh, thinking out loud i'm just like I, i um yeah, I wish I wish the main media and people in general would would respect each other more <laughs> and yeah. understand oh, yeah. where they're maybe coming from a little bit more. Yeah, well, I mean, and I would say with the mainstream media, like one of the things they're doing that really annoys me is <clears throat> they're picking like the if you're Fox News and you're picking from the left, like you're picking a I don't want to say a, a provoc- provocateur probably is not the right word for her. She is a a congresswoman. I mean, she won her vote argue how many votes she got in her district and all that shit whatever like aoc right like she has a tweet that like she tweeted i think today i don't follow her someone retweeted it um i can't i can't follow that woman i would just infuriate me right but uh she retweeted like 
they're just mad that I'm connecting the dots between poverty and crime. And I'm like, literally like everybody knows that the poor areas in America have more crime, whether it's an inner city like ghetto or, you know, really rural Appalachia type place. Like we all know that's where more crime happens. Like you're, you're not like, you're, you're not being controversial, like connecting those dots, but like, that's the person that Fox News, news uses to represent the left and it's like honestly she's just an idiot like that got elected because she got like twenty thousand people to vote for in a fucking four million person district or something of something ridiculous and it's like she is not an actual representation of like good ideology of the left so i stop using her as that person and then you know the democrats would use like uh, I don't know, there was that guy in Iowa that got voted out. He was a congressman, too. Uh, Steve King, I think his name was. He was, like, pretty much a racist. And it was, like, that's not all Republicans, man. Like, they, that guy got voted in, okay, whatever, that little tiny district in Iowa, which, honestly, if it's, like, the northwest corner of Iowa, there's probably, like, 12 fucking people that vote for him. Um, and it's, like, like that is not represent that whole side of the island, but they don't like want to sit there and discuss like the the normal good healthy portions of each party or each side of the discussion, so to speak. They want to just point at those types, and it's like you're just you're alienating the other side so that your side can't like won't even approach them with a good conversation about something because they think they're talking to AOC, and it's like no, that's not everybody over there. So that's the first thing I kind of I want to touch on, which you mentioned, like with the media not really being genuine and whatnot. Another thing, just um, not to this is kind of getting a little off topic, but I did want to touch on the uh, the Donald Trump election and have like the Paul over New York and all that stuff. I do think that the reason people were very like how can I put this? The reason that was such a big deal, and I know we've talked about this. Maybe it was like off recording or whatever. The reason it was such a big deal was. For a very long time, and you can include like black people as the disenfranchised ones, but they, I'm just saying because they generally were Democrats, so it just doesn't apply in this particular case. For a very long time, like middle America, rural, if you want to call it rural, but like middle America, blue collar, redneck middle America just loses everything. Every cultural battle they lose. They lose every time. It's okay to make fun of them in the media without repercussion. You can basically say whatever you want about them if like, you know, during the, the great recovery of Barack Obama and when Donald Trump continued it up until this COVID stuff, that part of the country got left behind. All this stuff, they have a giant heroin epidemic or opioid epidemic running through. They fight our wars. I mean, yeah, other people go like are in going to the army as well. But like, if I were to tell you, hey, there's a there's a Marine fighting in Afghanistan. Where do you think he's from? Nobody's going to be like, oh, yeah, he's from... Pleasantville, New York. Like, no, that's probably not what you would think. You'd be like, yeah, he's from rural Texas or something. So that part of the country finally got its opportunity to tell media elitists, the, the coastal types, the LA, New York, big city types, the people like, like your typical Clinton voter, not a lefty, your typical Clinton voter, your, the proverbial Jackie from Westchester's. They got to tell them like, hey, you know, go fuck yourself. Like we're voting for this guy because he ain't you. And you know, they happened to win. And that I think is why there was a huge, like, Oh my God, because it's like, no, we're not supposed to lose to these people. These people are beneath us. And then because of that, 
that like, oh, I can't believe we lost to these guys. I can't, you know, <laughs> the Anderson Coopers of the world being like, you know, I'm a, I'm a gay man in Manhattan. I'm not supposed to lose to some like questionable redneck in Alabama. Like they really kind of emboldened themselves that, you know, go anti-Trump and hammer on the left. And now they've empowered these lunatics we got running around all because they like, instead of again, kind of meeting in the middle and broaching topics and having healthy conversation with all different sides. Like, you know, you might disagree with the, the guy that lives in the swamp in Louisiana. I probably disagree with him too, but he's a human being that is allowed to have an opinion that you can have a discussion with. And if it's a, you know, uncouth opinion, your, your role then to like, Hey, let me help you see the light on this. Not just be like, Nope, you're racist because you voted for Trump and then dismiss him. And then now next thing you know, we literally are where we are. And it's like, I would blame those people, the, the like non-lefties, non-leftists, I guess is the right term, but like your elitist liberal types that sat there and got so fucking mad that some hillbilly in Wisconsin got to be like, nope, I got to pick the president this time. And yeah, Donald Trump has done nothing to represent that guy. Terrible president, don't get me wrong. But at the time, they're like, this guy's got my back. We're going to make America great again. We're going to win. Blah, blah, fucking blah. And those people just couldn't fucking stand that they lost to that guy because they think he's, they think he or she is beneath them. And so they just really got this emboldened, we're on the left and whatever it is that's anti-Trump and anti-right, blah, blah, blah. We're go- Everyone's a racist and da, da, da. And they doubled down on that and really got behind it. Now you've got Marxist revolutions in the street. So, um, yeah, I don't think it was they really actually thought the Trump voter was racist or anything. They were just pissed that that guy won and it has turned into this. That's what I think really happened there. That's just, again, that's kind of off of the cancel culture thing, but I just kind of wanted to touch on that because that's, I actually really strongly think that because I don't think very highly of like elitist liberal types because I think they're kind of like giant hypocrites personally. So, um, yeah. That's, I just want to touch on that. But uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, actually? Do you think my opinions of the reaction to the Trump election, do you think that, that there's some merit to what I said there? Or do you just like, nah, completely disagree? No, I think there's definitely some merit to what you said. I mean, the interests of the urban population versus the uh, rural population has almost always been mm-hmm. at odds, right? Yeah. Um, what you said about where our soldiers come from, I would say is, is questionable just because as much as the image that's painted in right. the media, fair. That's fair. Like, like the, the Texas, like, I'm sure there, there are a lot of guys from Texas just because Texas is one of the most populated states. For, yeah, right, right. Um, so similarly, like, they're, they're mostly from... New York, California, Texas, uh, say Florida, like, like the largest states, right? Uh, but all of what you said about the resentment, uh, and this is the thing, it's like the issue with Marxist ideology, uh, why it ends up killing a lot of people is not because of advocacy for a greater good and for 
the poor and for the disenfranchised. It's because of a resentment for the bourgeoisie, for the yes. people who are yes. successful. Uh, similarly, what concerns me about somebody like AOC is that by being so indoctrinated into an ideology uh, and an emotional way of looking at the world where if you are successful in the capitalist system, you're automatically not a human being anymore. You're just evil. And uh, by way of being poor, you're automatically virtuous, uh, which is starting to become the rhetoric of the, like, I would say the left, not liberals, but like this, this new leftist, using that term. Yeah, yeah, which is, which that's where, when I say the left, I mean like the authoritarian, mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean willing to don masks and take to the streets to punch people. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I, I mean, granted, they're, they're out there not because they think they're terrorists, they think they're freedom okay. fighters. They think they're right, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's like, Okay, um, I guess you know we need people to keep in check in case uh, in case of fascism. Fair enough, um, but the issue with somebody like AOC and and the whole thing breaking down is that the use of reason becomes less and less. I mean, AOC, in reference to what you were talking about, she recorded this video about connecting crime and poverty and whatnot. And like you were saying, crime, as, as far as I know, crime is highest when relative wealth is the most unequal. So it's not necessarily that an area is poor. It's that the area that is poor is immediately adjacent to an area that is much wealthier. So that, like New York City being a great example. Yeah, yeah. yeah because that, that basically... Uh, I don't know the exact like psychological um, framework that makes it happen, but it's basically the, this this hopelessness, this malaise, etc. Um, it's not what uh, AOC is, is saying. And similarly, what the data shows, for instance, is that there are, for instance, murders are are going up and. In her video, she's talking about people stealing bread to feel, feed, feed their families. Like it's too, it's not, and, and that's the thing that's even in the case of Trump, like it's actually people living in two different realities. Mm -hmm. One where, in, in the case of the Trump election, it was literally like watching reality shape shift and crash all at once yeah. because you do not think that the guy who said what he said and was acting the way that he did could ever in a million years be elected president yep. in the way that Hillary Clinton obviously treated the election. He just didn't think that she was going to lose. Yep. And then when you see, and this is why I, I became a student of what Scott Adams writes, mm -hmm. especially in his book, Win Bigly persuasion in a world where facts don't matter because he called that Trump would win. And then in his book, he outlines how he won by mm -hmm. appealing to the psychology yep. of the people that you're talking about, the people mm -hmm. who are, uh, were disenfranchised by, uh, by Obama, who felt like they were 
not being spoken to mm-hmm. uh, over the past eight years. So that's one world where Trump is super effective because he was speaking to this audience. And now you've got this leftist world where, and this is, this is baked into the, I've got this book explaining postmodernism. I recommend it unless you want to go really like nerd, full on nerd on leftist ideology, but the basics of it, the, the foundational idea in that book and of the leftist movement is basically trust how you feel. That is the highest, most true. And there, yeah. there, there is no belief of truth. In, no in this actual, idea. Yeah, that's the, that's the big postmodernism thing, if I remember correctly. It's like no actual truth. Yeah. There's no, yeah. It's, it's, really, you're it's not really this. It's not really that, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's only the only thing that matters, and you'll hear people using this language more and more, is lived experience. Like you'll start to see the, these methods of using language pop up too, because it's like that's that's how people describe like my lived experience as a you know uh heterosexual white male whatever is uh a different experience fundamentally from somebody of a different ethnic sexual uh or right. racial group whatever you, you, so, so you find it like interesting though that since post which i i mean i actually kind of agree i mean obviously your experience is different because your experience is different but like then 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 me even we're both white heterosexual males and like yeah. two different lives like we used to have sure um but like don't you find it funny that they say you know the, the basis for a lot of these like because isn't um like a lot of the basis for like the leftist marxist type stuff is, is postmodernism correct like isn't that kind of like where it all started and it kind of expanded into this. Isn't that am I accurate in saying that? Jordan Peterson touches on it a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Really yeah you're you're accurate. You're accurate in saying that the philosophy that has developed through postmodern thought has informed Marxism yeah. and very much informed the the left movement yeah. that you're seeing now. So I just find it hilarious. Well, I'll say it. it's actually terrifying, but hilarious that the the movement that I guess the, the, the roots of it all, which you could say they're, they're fairly removed from at this point, but the roots of it all is this postmodernism idea of like, you know, your, like you said, your lived experience is your truth and that is the, like, but they don't, they don't consider everyone's lived experience. They consider this is the truth. The truth is w- whatever their dogma is. And well, yeah, anything the, else. The, the dogma is basically that there are oppressors and the oppressed. And right, if you right, are fair. a member of the oppressed, and that's why you see the, uh, like the dialogue break down. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, on the left side, whatever you want to call it, and in, in, to go back to the AOC example, it's a question of not what's true, it's just like, oh well, this is this is how I feel about what's going on, mm-hmm. and like there, there, there is no. That, that's why you might see somebody like James Taylor. You'll see him start mentioning like that math is a colonial ideal, and two plus equals five, yeah, or ten, yeah. or whatever you feel like. Yeah. Uh, and it's like that's a facetious way of approaching it, mm-hmm. but that literally is like there's a world where 
and this isn't including liberals, by the way, because like real liberal is still a real liberal. Mm -hmm. You can be on the left of the aisle, uh, but when you're a leftist, when you're a postmodernist, the data no longer matters because the only truth is oppression. And it's like, I don't care what the data is. It feels to me from my lived experience and the, the experience, the collective experience of my group identity that there's oppression going on. So we're going to fight this and we're going to use uh, things like cancel culture as a means to do that. Right. So it's, uh, that's, I think in, uh, in short that your statement about the conflicting interests between the rural, uh, the liberal elite, in, in terms of the liberal elites, I mean, I don't have uh, any, I, I don't have, I, I think, the same level of um, distaste for, uh, but, but then again, I, I, I don't know. I also grew up in a, a town filled with liberal elites. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so for me, it's like, I see, I, I see, I don't want to say I see where they're coming from because it's, it, it goes back to that Ernest Hemingway quote that I really like. It's like, there's no one truth. It's all true. Yeah. The, the idea is that like, there are people in every social group. Uh, in fact, one of the things that holds social groups together is a distaste or resentment for groups of a different culture. Yeah. That's one of the They're foundational like the group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like anyone who does things differently, it's like, Oh, okay. That's a reason to stay in my group. And thus we have social cohesion and, you know, we've got these micro groups that unfortunately come into conflict. And then you've got like, you've got wars basically. Right. Uh, so I don't, uh, I don't have any like bone to pick with, with any particular group. I'm just kind of like watching. Yeah. I got where you're coming from. You know what I mean? Like watching what's happening and just like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, it would be better though, if we were able to have, you know, have an actual conversation oh, and yeah. not live and not the, the thing that scares me the most is the living in two different worlds like the living like one where um like data and reason and science statistics discourse free speech like things that are not political at all like i know this is like a quote-unquote politics show but in, mm -hmm. in a weird way like as much as we are talking about politics i don't see it that we're saying anything that's very political beyond observing what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yet you've got that on one hand and then on the other, you've got this, um, it's, it's more extreme. Um, but you, you've got this sort of like postmodern issue with feelings and, yeah nothing else matters beyond the narrative of oppressor and oppressed. Mm -hmm. So that's where, that's where my concern is at the moment. Yeah. I think, uh, so I kind of wanted to go back to what you're saying about the, um, uh, 
liberal elite, or I, I think that's a term I use, and we use that, the liberal elite, like my dislike for that, not everybody, but that like ilk of person. And it's like, I guess really what bothers me, not necessarily like individual, like, no, I mean, I don't individually like, yeah, they're, they're all fine. I'm sure I can get along with, I have gotten along with many of them. Like, not just, I'm sure I could, like we went to, we had a ton of people from the Long Island, New York City, Westchester area that went to college with, and some of them were of that class or whatever stereotype of person. What bothers me about them is like, um, you sit, like they can sit there and say that, we'll just use the, the, the Trump election as an example. The, if you voted for Trump, you're a racist, right? Like that is a thing, that's a thing. I mean, we can talk about why it's true or why it's not, whatever, but that was a thing afterwards. If you voted for Trump, you're a racist, you're a, a backwards redneck from Kentucky. That's what you are, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm sure some backwards rednecks from Kentucky voted for Trump, I'm not denying that at all. But, so who was like, now he was going out of office, so they voted for, you know, the Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, you know, the next in line of the liberal elite politician type, but their person, their guy for eight years was Barack Obama. And to them, that was like, kind of almost like their, I mean, the liberal elite types, the people, if you're a liberal elite person, you're not like, you don't grow up in poverty, you grow up in a very posh, cushy existence in general. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that have struggles in other ways, but in general, you're not growing up in a dangerous town, you go to a good high school, it gives you a good a good network and a good structure to go to a good college and have a good job and then have a good life, which is great. That's awesome that that culture has built that. Like, I'm not arguing with that, but that's what you've lived in. And so now this was your example of like, hey, we voted, you know, we voted for the black guys who were not racist. And it's like, you can point at things with his administration. I'm not saying him specifically, but his administration where it's like, you're a giant hypocrite. It's like, you want to say, like, you're okay. Like, you want to say Donald Trump voters are racist because they voted for Donald Trump and he said some, you know, fairly uncouth things throughout his, uh, throughout his campaign and whatnot. Like, I'm not saying I like the guy. But it's like, you, you, your guy, your guy prior to him supported a, an actual, not, not, oh, these guys are Nazis, an actual, you know, swastika, tattoo, flag carrying uh, Nazi regime in Ukraine. Like the people we wouldn't send weapons to that everyone got all up in fucking arms about it, like Donald Trump and that impeachment thing. They're they're not they're actual Nazis. Not like a couple of losers with fucking tiki torches walking through Virginia. Not those fucking idiots. Actual Nazis that are in control of the government. Those guys. His regime, his administration supported those people. His administration supported the Saudi Arabian government in blockading and essentially having a mass slaughter of people in Yemen, kids dying of starvation and you're going to sit there and you're going to bitch at a fucking i don't know kentucky trump supporter about like the hypocrisy of it is what like really bothers me i guess it's not the individual people they're not they're not bad people or whatnot like but you're going to sit there and point your finger at some guy and say that he's this that and the other thing like look at your guy like look at look at what you are claiming a support and are like proud of like that that's what you support and that just is really stuck with me. So that's kind of where my disdain for it comes. It's like that hypocrisy of, you know, this guy's terrible because of this, that, and the other thing. But then my guy's great. And it's like, no, dude, your guy's just like possibly worse, actually. Like your guy's just as bad. And I don't know, I just, 
that's that's really where all that comes from. Maybe to give you a little bit better context of it. Just uh, that's off topic of cancel culture, but it's something that we kind of were discussing. So I thought maybe I should clarify a little bit. Cool. That's it for me. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, like I said, we kind of got a little off, uh, a little off track there at the end, but you know, still good stuff to bring up. I, th I think personally, I don't, I don't know about you. So, uh, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's all I got. Cool. All right. Great. Touch you next week, everybody.